This episode of The Energy Pipeline is sponsored by Caterpillar Oil & Gas. Since the 1930s, Caterpillar has manufactured engines for drilling, production, well service, and gas compression. With more than 2,100 dealer locations worldwide, Caterpillar offers customers a dedicated support team to assist with their premier power solutions. The Energy Pipeline is your lifeline to all things oil and gas, to drill down deep into the issues impacting our industry. From the frack site to the future of sustainability, hear more about industry issues, tools, and resources to streamline and modernize the future of oil and gas. Welcome to the Energy Pipeline. Yates, of course, who is uh, uh, not here with us today, but you've got another Jordan alternate that's... uh what we always like to do with this show is have a Jordan as the backup host. Very good. <laughs> Consistency. Yes, Consistency. Indeed. So this is a follow-up episode here at Adipak in Abu Dhabi. We're continuing our discussion about uh, drone-based sensor emissions and the, uh, excuse me, drone-based emissions measurement, which mm-hmm. is primarily focused around the sensors that that entails. And we, uh, we had a conversation with Ian just a little while ago, which you'll hear in another episode. And at this time, we're going to chat with Paul. And uh, he's also with CCOPS, like I said, VP of Business Development. And um, you and I talked before the show started. You and I were having a little chit-chat. And you dropped some information that didn't make it into the other episode that I thought was incredibly fascinating. And uh, so, I mean, obviously, I want you to tell me a bit about yourself, your role as VP of Business Development at CCOPS and all of that. But I think you ought to pepper in some of those cool facts that we didn't hear in the last episode. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to be here, Jordan. Uh, I'm Paul Curry. I'm the head of business development for CCOPS, so uh, in charge of... Uh, business development strategy, sales, marketing, sort of uh, multiple hats right now, the size company we are. I uh, joined CCOPS uh, just a little over four years ago. I was their first BD guy. Um, at that time, the company's uh, two co-founders who spun the company out of uh, NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab. So they were working on this sensor as part of the uh, Mars rover uh, at the time. So uh, the the guts of the sensor, the, the bones of the sensor are actually the same ones that were used to develop the methane sensor sitting on the Mars rover today. That is correct. I cannot believe we did not get that piece of information <laughs> in the last episode. That is... Yeah. I'll be giving Ian a hard time about that one I for mean, sure. I mean, I feel like someone should. Um, <laughs> that is uh, that is incredible. Yeah. I had no idea. I mean, we talked a lot about that sensor. Lightweight, durable. Sure. Easy to set up. Virtually plug and play as much as anything could possibly be that's in that sphere. Uh-huh. And it's on the Mars rover. Yeah, exactly. It's sitting on the Mars rover right now, trying to detect all manner of methane uh, on the planet. So that's still the functioning. I, well, that's just my favorite fact ever. I'm a huge space nerd. So yeah. uh, anything we have in outer space, happy about that. Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine it had to be ruggedized for a use on a, not just for <laughs> oil and gas use, but use on a different planet. So a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, design goes into it, a lot of considerations, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, um, kind of a maintenance-free concept because yeah. if something breaks, it's not like you just go over there and fix it. 100%. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll ask you this, since we're on that topic, what do you think is the more harsh environment, the oil field or Mars? <laughs> Uh, it's a toss-up. <laughs> my uh, so my background. I've uh, I've been around the oil patch, uh, you know, almost uh, 20, 25 years, I'd say, and uh, I, I've seen things, you know, out in the field that you're you're. Uh, I've been around technology launch the whole time, so right, right. new sensors, new measurement devices have been sort of my specialty, 
And, uh, and, you know, you take it from engineering, you take it from the lab and what you think are field trials, then you go out on site and all of a sudden you're looking at some, you know, somebody handling your equipment like, oh man, I hope it doesn't break. <laughs> it wasn't designed for that. So yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, you know, if you can make it on Mars, you can make it on anywhere. I mean, I, I would think, yeah, right. <laughs> that is such a cool fact. I, I absolutely uh, that that's my new favorite thing of the day, right there. Yeah, there you go. So, when it comes to building um, on what Ian discussed previously, mm -hmm. let's talk about how some of this data collected by the drones is uh, contributing to better decision making in the development of uh, sustainable strategies. Sure. Uh, what's some of the real impact that you've seen? Well, you know, uh, a lot of times it, it sounds simple, but if you if you're trying to solve an issue, you know, understand a problem and so on, uh, you're not going to get anywhere unless you have the right data to, act, to base your decisions on. I mean, that's, I mean, that doesn't just apply for methane emissions, just Certainly. in general, running a business or, or you know, running any kind of project. So um, a challenge like emissions mitigation, a challenge like you know, to have a truly sustainable operations, uh, you've got to have a starting point. And if you have you know, incomplete or incorrect data, uh, it's going to drive your entire decision process, which could be wildly different depending on what information is you're getting as your baseline. So uh, in our case specifically, our sensor provides that baseline emissions data for a lot of the operators in oil and gas who are new to this concept where this is the first time they've had to directly measure their emissions rather than um, calculate their emissions based on plant capacity, operations, et cetera. So up to this point, majority of, of uh, energy companies have, have they've, they've been accounting for emissions, but they've been doing it by engineering calculations rather than direct measurement. Right. Because it's been a very, it's been a significant challenge to be able to get that direct measurement. Yeah, we, we talked a bit about, you know, you had satellites which are 500 miles up and right. they can only detect a certain amount. Correct. Even manned aircraft will only get you so far uh, whereas drones, you can pretty much get right, you know, up, for all practical purposes at that scale, just right up to the leak itself yep. and, and know what's going on. I mean, that's uh, incredible, especially with, with the type of sensors you guys have. Correct, because, you know, a lot of times if, you're, if you don't have the, uh, a really good minimum detection limit on your emissions, you could survey a site with, a, you know, an aircraft or a satellite, for example, and say, well, I didn't pick anything up here, so I guess we must be good. So you just move on to the next one. Right. But the reality is you just didn't pick it up because you can't detect below that minimum Yeah, you limit. could have had 500 leaks happening below exactly. that uh, detection zone that exactly. you wouldn't even catch. Exactly. And, and that's the next challenge for a lot of the, I would say, the early movers or early adopters uh, you know, in, the, in the oil patch is some of them have already spent the last two years getting after their worst case emissions, you know, the largest emitters, uh, let's mitigate that, which is fine. And that's great, but that gets, so that gets the large chunk of the very, very, you know, worst case facilities or worst case emitters. But now what, you know, over half your emissions are those low emitting facilities that you may have not detected already. So you still got to go after those. Right, right. Yeah, that's, um, so in your view, how could different players in the industry, you know, regulatory bodies, whatever, leverage some of this data to make some positive environmental impact and, uh, you know, up the game on their sustainability practices? Great question. Um, so I think what 
two things here. One is the ability for, especially the regulatory bodies to understand that there is, you know, the, the pace of technology that's coming on right now for, uh, for emissions, for example, you know, what you can do with a drone, uh, all those kind of considerations has really, you know, pushed the ability to truly go after the entire spectrum of your emissions footprint, not just, well, I guess the only thing we can do is just get after the worst case and then right, we right. can't really see the others. Well, we can, we can see everything. Um, knowing that, and then uh, not just seeing them, but being able to go and identify those emissions in a way that's not gonna break the bank. Because you can spend a significant amount of money trying to go after you know every single uh, emission source with legacy technology right now. Right. It's very manual, very labor intensive. Um, you spend hours and hours and hours trying to chase the one single leak where now you've got a screening technology, especially on a drone, where instead of having to send your service tech in a truck to go out somewhere in the middle of nowhere on the off chance that there may be an emission there, you can send a drone remotely, cover all of these sites and come back and say, yep, we're good today. Or we have a, an issue, we have an issue only in this site. So don't, you don't have to go around the two, three, 400 sites um, on, the, on the off chance you're gonna find that, that leak. And it, it seems to me, um, to piggyback off something you said right at the start of that, that the pace, we hit a point, in my opinion, and I think we sort of hit this point within the past 20 years, where the pace of technological advancement has outstripped our ability to comprehend the full impact that technology could have in almost any field. Exactly. There's, I'm fully uh, confident there are applications out there we haven't even thought about them. Just not even dreamt of. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because we, you know, you can't, the, it's, it's the, the technology pace, the uh, data analysis pace, the sophistication, it's all, it, it's, it's all coming together and it's accelerating like crazy and you're, you know, you're hard pressed to keep up. Um, you know, I, I mentioned before my, my background in new technology launches in the oil patch. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, it was a much more measured, uh, I would say, measured pace of introductions of new technologies. And let's face it, uh, we've had a reputation, de deserved or not, uh, in the industry that we're not known for rapid adoption of new technologies. You know, I, my, my early career, I spent a lot of it in aerospace. And if you had a new technology in aerospace, they want that thing on the jet yesterday. Yes. You know, in oil and gas, uh, the, the, the reputation uh, was that if it's something new, come back to me in five years when somebody else has used it. Yeah. So I don't want to be the first one to try it. So funnily enough, before um, earlier in my oil and gas journey, I worked for a um, oil and gas uh, accounting software company. So I have a software background uh, is how I got into the space as well. And I remember when I got there, you know, we were, you know, we were using everything. It was Windows-based, Windows, you know. XP. XP and, <laughs> and all that. <laughs> yeah, don't, I'm going to flashbacks. No, the, the real astonishing, you know, I thought that was bad enough. Sure. And I was going, guys, what are we doing with the, I mean, why not Millennium Edition while we're at it? <laughs> but then they're like, oh, no, this is the new, the new version of the software. I said, guys, it's. It's 2014. Yeah. That's not the new version of the song. No, it is. And I said, no, it's not. We need to do better than that. But then they said, okay, hang on. 
and they got me on the phone with a client who uh, was one of many clients still operating the DOS version of the software. And I said, okay, I see. I think I see the problem. That's, I, I countless stories of that. I have no problem believing that. It's, uh, it's true. I mean, you know, it's uh, the old, it ain't broke, don't fix it Certainly. idea just keeps going. Uh, because, I mean, honestly, uh, a lot of times, uh, especially out in the field, I mean, these, these locations, they're, they're remote. They're under the gun. It's all about production. It's, you know, and, and safety and yep. all these other things coming at them. They don't have a lot of time to think, well, maybe I should upgrade to this or upgrade to that. Like, right. you know what? This part of my system is working. And it's kept working. We know it's bulletproof. This yep. thing might not be, and we're not going to take that chance of slowing down the line. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I get it. Still throws me for a loop yes. sometimes. <laughs> um, I think we converted our last client off the DOS product um, in 2017. And I mean, That's when amazing. it finally happened, I I just sort of, I was like, I don't even believe that I'm saying that we finally got somebody off DOS in 2017. How? Yeah. What, what world are we living in? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's very true. I, I like to say that my, my accounting clients were about, uh, in oil and gas, were about 10 years behind the kitchen appliance industry. So... <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> yep. So uh, to, to sort of segue back to what we had talked about a second ago, and I know we can't predict all the ways this could go, right? But what do you think some of the broader applications are for sustainability that the drones and, and the sensors that you have uh, will, will impact sustainability in oil and gas? So... Our sensor right now, for example, we're just detecting methane. You know, everybody's concentrated on methane, methane, methane. Okay, well, the, what else do we need to look at? Right. What, what, there's plenty of other, you know, greenhouse gases that we haven't even addressed yet. So, for example, in our case, we're coming out with a CO2 sensor next year. That's going to be another... Oh, that's a that's huge, a right? game changer. So it's going to be another huge application. You know, again, beyond just oil and gas for us, I mean, there's mining applications, there's construction applications, there are... Uh, produced water, water treatment, you know, those, yeah. are, all, those are all venting uh, uh, sources. Um, we're doing a lot of work right now in biogas and landfills. I mean, that's, there's, yep, yep. we talked about that in the so last many episode. Out there. Yeah. And using a drone platform for them just increases your ability to access all those sites um, remotely without having, you know, you're really reducing your manpower uh, requirements um, uh, and your speed of your inspections, for example. Um, as far as the rest of sustainability, you, I mean, you can walk around uh, Atapic today, you can see these, they have some of these huge drones that are doing uh, seed planting, they're doing agricultural surveys, uh, they're being used in forestry, they're being used in um, all kinds of these other applications. We haven't even, again, we know what we know right now, and we, we think we've got good applications, for example, but we haven't totally, you know, vetted them out. And right. we're constantly, you know, um, surprised, uh, you know, happily surprised when we go out and, and we'll come out and do a survey and it's somebody out in the field go, have you guys thought about using drones for, you know, X, Y, or Z? And you're like, yeah, we're just, but it's, it's really hard as a technology company, not hard, but I think it's sometimes where we got a lot of tunnel vision. We're just too close to it. Right, right. Right. You're, you're just so focused on this one thing that all it takes is somebody you know, a third party just totally detached to it and go, you know, I mean, I don't live and breathe this all day long. So I've right. never thought about using drones. Can I use drones for this? Right. And you take that back to your engineers and go, what do you think, guys? And they're, 
I was super excited all of a sudden. Like, of course we can do that. I just right, didn't think right. anybody wanted to do it. I'm like, yeah, they do. It, it, it's like that anecdote that I heard a long time ago um, about uh, the invention of the automobile. And I remember who said it, so I can't give proper credit here. But if you had asked Henry Ford, if Henry Ford had asked um, a person, a passenger, what they wanted in life, it would have been a faster horse. They wouldn't have said a car. Exactly. You yep, know? that's it. And that's kind of where you're at here. You know, you talk to some of these guys and they're, they're going to say, oh, well, I want a better way of doing this thing. But then you talk to someone else and you're instantly going, well, what if we did this? Yeah, what if we did that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, five years ago, if you said, detect, or maybe 10 years ago, if you had said using drones to detect CO2 or methane, people would have looked at you like you were insane. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of the other challenge we have in this industry. And I'm not sure if Ian touched on this, but in an industry that's not known for rapid technology adoption, we are asking we and regulators are forcing you know a lot of these energy companies and operators to take on new technology at a much faster clip than they're used to taking them way outside their comfort zone and it but it seems like you've you've kind of done it though we i mean the uh, uh, proof's in the pudding you know right. we 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 show them our results we show them what we can do and you know once they get over the initial shock they you know they understand that it's legit it's you know we've been through all of the validation process right. you have to go through We've done an offshore, onshore, day, night, you know, all kinds of conditions. So um, uh, once you've gone through, you know, all those stage gates, once you've gone through, you know, all your, uh, I guess, your your rite of passage uh, to be accepted, it, it just comes back to, okay, you know, you've got this legit technology, it's available today. So either you're going to continue this on, you know, debating onwards of what about this application? Well, we can't do this. We can't do that. Well, okay. We can do 99% of what you really want. Right, right. You know, we worry about the 1% later on. Uh, like you're saying, Jordan, you know, something we can't envisage today, how to solve this problem. But why don't we solve the rest of the problems that we can solve today? Yeah, no, and there's no shortage of them. Exactly, exactly. That's Interesting. Right. So let me ask you this. I'm, since you guys deal a ton with big data uh, and, and, you know, providing this information to your client ultimately so that they can make their decisions, Data security, always a concern for everybody sure. at all times. How do you ensure the security and privacy of any, I mean, one, is there any of this information that, that your clients are ever worried about from a, a sensitivity standpoint? And how do you guys help ensure that? It's always, you know, production data is the most last, like, sacrosanct data. I mean, that is, <laughs> man, that's the sanctum sanctorum. I mean, there's right. no way anybody's going to access that. Um, it's actually one of the first things we ask potential customers is, okay, you believe in what we can do. We're told you what we can do. What are you going to do with this data? It's right. great to have all this information and you're just going to, I don't know, just put an alarm around it and then <laughs> you know, worry about it when it becomes an issue. So um, there's two things. One is to ask the customer or ask the operator, what do you really do with this data? Because these, so this data is going to go into this giant database that has all kinds of information. They got drilling information, production information, leak information from us. They have there's you know, thousands of measurement points in any facility that, that are doing more than just emissions. I mean, flow computers, all right. kinds of stuff like that. So how are you synthesizing all of this to improve your operations, to improve your process, um, you know, optimize everything? So um, securing that data is a big deal. In our case specifically, all our data is encrypted. Um, we have, we, we don't 
it's, it's not broadcast, you know, over the air. Right. Uh, it's on a, uh, an encrypted SD card that is um, transmitted to a secure cloud, uh, cloud-based, you know, we have a um, Amazon backbone, backbone et cetera. So, okay. you know, we're using commercially available secure links in, in all of our uh, process flow. But these are all the big boys. I mean, these are all folks that are heavy duty doing major business security. Right, exactly. So we're not, you know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel ourselves. We'll just, we'll piggyback on an existing um, encrypted or, or, uh, or secure site uh, that's, that's pretty widely accepted and widely proven. Um, you know, on the customer side, again, um, on the operator side, they, there's a lot of different companies out there that are in the business of secure software uh, and then data integration, so they can take all of these inputs from, all right, here's the drone data, here's the satellite data, here's my on-site pipeline monitor data. What is that really telling me? You know, who's going to put all this together and say, okay, based on this, you need to, you know, tweak this valve or use this chemical or back valve on this or whatever the case may be. But but it's a huge challenge, you know, um, on the on the customer side, Jordan of. Now you've got literally this just giant wall of data coming right at you, and you're going to figure out, uh, you know, what do I do? I mean, right, right. So, um, so do you guys do any consulting around that data on on how to do it? Or we that- we it's very basic on our side. We actually work with a lot of consulting type companies, whether they're okay. environmental consultants or uh, whatever the case may be, uh, that will take that take our data and then combine it with the other. Um, you know, other sources that they have coming in and then deliver to the, to the end user, okay, here's what all these things are telling you about your site, about your facility, about your operations. That is, uh, you guys have found quite the, quite the space, man. I think so, it's going to be, yeah. uh, it's going to be a wild ride, I think. It is, it is. And we're, I mean, I, it's obvious to us, we're just scratching the surface. So we're, we're very excited about, uh, you know, see what's, what's coming up. I mean, anytime your platform starts at Mars and then backdoors its way <laughs> yeah. into the oil patch, uh, impressive. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's, that's a boast you should have. It's a yeah, it's a great crew. You know, we've uh, got a very a lot of very hardworking engineers. Um, we do have um, quite a few that that came over from the original team uh, at JPL. So it was good to keep that corporate knowledge in house. Absolutely. Now I know you guys. Um, you won, if I recall correctly, you guys won a startup of the year. I think it was last year. Last year at Outback. Yeah, that's right. That's yep. great. Um, so, I mean, you guys have clearly had to do a lot of international stuff really, really fast. Correct. And um, the final question is about, you know, how scalable you think this is. Now, it seems to me from where I'm sitting, having had these two conversations, that for especially for a startup, you guys have scaled tremendously uh, successfully for just everything to be considered, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, what's your thoughts on scalability? You know, in our specific case, uh, the, the drone really is is not the magic. You know, SeekOps is all about the sensor and the sensor technology. Right, right. The drone is an off-the-shelf drone. We we chose a, a model that's got it's uh, it's almost like the Kleenex or Coca-Cola of the market. It's right. Seventy like percent of the market, eighty percent of the market. Everybody flies this this model drone. So, uh, in our case, we're looking at okay, how do we expand uh, internationally? What's the best way for us to access all these markets? Uh, what's the way? Well. Ultimately, what is the best way for us to deliver our service to our customers right. globally? Because it's you know we we work with international oil companies that have multiple sites, multiple countries that want to have consistency of measurement. So I want to use the same measurement device across all my facilities. So the data coming in 
you know, we know it comes from the same source, right? Same source of measurement. So we we looked at around the world. We're like, okay, number one, uh, use of use of drones for inspection, let's say, is is you know the last five years has really come on very strong. It's become more widely expect, accepted. Um, more operators are very comfortable using drones now. Some of them have even their own drone teams in-house. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah, so um, so what we do is we'll go out and, and look for uh, a drone service company or drone service provider, uh, either for a specific operator or a specific country or region, and then we'll train them on how to fly our sensor on their drones. So it's it it makes it i mean from the from the practical standpoint it makes it a lot more accessible for us to say well it's going to send you our sensor right yeah we're not sending the whole drone sure you don't have to worry about logistics and shipping blah 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 here's your here's the sensor you know how to fly it um you know obviously we audit them uh, on a regular basis to make sure that they're maintaining our safety standards or, or quality uh etc but it becomes a lot more um you know, a lot more practical, a lot easier to access these uh, these locations. Uh, if you've just if you've got somebody that's already got, you know, they've already got boots on the ground. They know how to fly. They know what the expectations of those customers are. They're familiar whether it's on or offshore. You know, oil and gas, landfill, whatever the case may be. So, literally, we're just providing the hardware. They send us the data back again through an encrypted backbone. Right. You know, our, our guys back in Austin will do all the analysis and reporting and then just deliver the final report to the customer. That is outstanding. That's very cool. I mean, like I said, you guys have, uh, I love seeing this level of technology starting to get into this industry in this way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's fantastic. Well, I want to thank you for coming by and talking with us today. This has been an absolute delight. I have tremendously enjoyed getting to learn more about CCOPS. Thanks, Jordan. And, um, yeah, this is Jordan Driscoll and this is Paul Curie signing off. Come back next week for another episode of The Energy Pipeline, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.